Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Casey's here. And Casey, we have a special guest in studio. I know. I'm so excited to talk to him, too. He has announced he is running for governor of the state of Indiana, former attorney general for the state of Indiana, Curtis Hill. Curtis, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me. So we asked this question to almost any person who takes the plunge into running for public office. Why are you doing this to yourself? (laughs) Well, you know, I've been in public service all my life. I was the prosecutor in Elkhart for a number of years. I was the Attorney General. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people around the state, and uh, people are looking for a proven conservative to step up and take the lead. And, you know, it would be easy to step back and, and stay out of the fray. Uh, but as one once said, uh, ships are safe in the harbor, but that's not what they're built for. Uh, so I anticipate that uh, we're going to be having tough times in the state, tough times in the nation. And it's imperative that we have the right type of leadership, bold and courageous leadership engaged. So uh, we're stepping back in. And what sort of leadership do you believe that you offer? Uh, I believe I offer conservative leadership. Uh, you know, it's about freedom. Uh, we have a we see the the basic truths that we have known for uh, all our lives are under attack. Um, the weaponization of the justice uh, system, not just the Department of Justice, but justice everywhere. Um, the compulsion, uh, the government is leaning on people, uh, forcing people to comply. Uh, this is not Hoosiers. This is not America. And so we need to be able to stand up. And as I travel nationally, I get a lot of people to say, well, you're lucky you live in Indiana, and Indiana's got it going on. They don't realize that we're under the same threats here in Indiana that they are across the nation. So it's imperative that we have the right type of leadership uh, that steers us clear of this uh, uh, socialist agenda. Curtis Hill, our guest, running for governor of the state of Indiana. Is it a hard choice to make? I mean, it's not an easy thing. You're going to have to crisscross the state. You're going to have to get 500 signatures in all nine congressional districts. Was it a hard choice to 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 decide I'm going to do this? No, it wasn't really a difficult choice to decide. It, it's it is a it is a hard job, um, but it's a necessary job. Um, and from one standpoint, I can tell you this: campaigning for me is fun because it, it allows me an opportunity to engage. Uh, with friends and neighbors in the community. I've, I enjoyed it as a prosecutor. I enjoyed it as attorney general. Uh, the opportunity to get out and listen to folks to say, what is it that's uh, happening in your community that is going on well? What's not going on well? And what can we do to work together to, to improve with the conditions of life? So um, this is what we're put on earth for, to to serve our fellow man and um, and also enjoy it. So I, I'm looking forward to it. We're already, uh, we, we kicked off the campaign a few days ago um, and we're already on the road, and, and we're having a ball. We're, we're meeting people, we're gathering, and I'll tell you what, guys, we're seeing a new energy. Uh, this race did not have enthusiasm before Monday. Uh, we're seeing a, a pickup in enthusiasm and engagement. People want to talk about the future. They want to talk about vision, and so uh, we're going to roll around the state, listen to what folks say, and uh, put our plans together. Curtis, I have a couple questions that I want to ask you. One is that I'm aware of you because I lived in northern Indiana for many years when you were a prosecutor up there, and obviously you were attorney general for the state, but can you tell our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you about yourself? Sure. Well, I was born in Elkhart uh, a number of years ago, and I went to Indiana University in Bloomington. I got a business degree in marketing. Uh, went back there for law school in Bloomington. Uh, this was before the uh, 
the big guys signed the checks. So it was just the school of law at that time. <laughs> uh, got my degree there. And then I went back to my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought about leaving the state and doing some other adventurous things, but I went back to my hometown. My, my parents had been uh, good to me uh, to help me with school, so I, I wanted to spend as much time there as possible. I opened up a small law practice, and I became a part-time deputy prosecutor. I uh, was only going to do that for a, a couple of years to gain experience, but one of the things that happened as a part-time deputy, I loved it. Loved the work, loved the accountability, loved to to put my skills to, to work in service of others. So I stayed as a prosecutor for a number of years, and then I ran for prosecutor in uh, 2002, uh, won overwhelmingly, and reset the stage of criminal justice in uh, northern Indiana. Our, our prosecutor's office was very aggressive, um, and not because we were interested in locking everyone up. We were interested in keeping people safe. Mm-hmm. And what I've always determined is that there's a, a, a small number of people in any community that commit the vast majority of crime. And if you would decisively deal with those folks, uh, crime goes down and public safety goes up. Uh, so I started to develop very simple con- uh, concepts that we put into play. And uh, back in uh, uh, 2015, I decided that uh, it was time to step it up a ramp and uh, and uh, run for attorney general. Um, I'm married to Teresa. Um, uh, we've been married, uh, I think, uh, 30 years. You better this, get that right. Well, we, we have <laughs> we have a big anniversary coming up in a, in a couple of weeks, so it'll be 30 years. Mm-hmm. And we have five children. My baby boy, Abraham. Uh, just moved off to Philadelphia for his first job. Uh, we're very proud of him, but it's hard when the kids are. You're an empty nester now. Well, I'm an empty, I'm an empty nester, and and uh, and it, and, it's, and it's tough uh, because we love the kids and we love having them around. But we got one daughter in Paris, one daughter in California. Uh, one son now in Philadelphia, and then we have two kids that are close by. So uh, we've been very fortunate, very blessed. Curtis Hills, our guest, running for governor of the state of Indiana. So you kind of touched on this just a moment ago. It is a visionless primary thus far. Like I have no idea of the three people running before you, Doden, Crouch, and Braun, what they want to do. What do they want to do on property taxes? What do they want to do on the gas tax? What do they want to do on reigning in emergency powers? All of these things, you have no idea. Are you surprised? I mean, you got three people who've been running for a year. They've all got money. And you don't know where any of them stand on anything. I'm not really surprised because uh, the Republican Party uh, often grows people who are interested in being in, uh, vanilla or invisible. Uh, you don't have to deal with issues. Uh, you you can write a check and run for office and and you win. Or you're expected to win because you had a particular office. You don't have to work that hard. I mean, that's kind of the thing that goes on. And I sort of get on a lot of people because they, they talk about, well, we need change. And then they turn around and put the same type of people in the same type of positions and expect something different to happen. Nothing's different is going to happen until you get bold and uh, go outside the box. I think one of the reasons that uh, I threaten so many people is because I have a reputation for uh, standing against the status quo, uh, not in an overly radicalized way, but in a logical manner uh, to uh, to talk about issues, uh, to think it through, to go past that first layer, past that soundbite. And that makes a lot of people nervous because it's a, this is a controlled environment in state politics. Uh, you know, you've only got a handful of people in the state house who run the show and they're not interested in sharing that power. Well, I got news for them. The power is need to it needs to come from the people, and that needs to be reengaged. Ninety three WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Our guest this hour is former Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill, now running for governor of the state of Indiana. A lot more of that conversation when we return on ninety three WIBC. WIBC 
Casey. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Our guest this hour is former Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill, now running for governor of the state of Indiana. You talk a little bit about one of the great things I think you did during COVID. You were one of the few people who stood up to Holcomb. Was you said when Holcomb tried to put people in jail for not wearing a mask, no, you can't do that. You can't just make up laws. You go, go along. And within 24 hours, he pulled that out of the executive order, the criminal penalty. Yes. Can you talk about why you stood up to Holcomb during COVID and why you think the majority, overwhelming majority of Republicans in the House and Senate weren't willing to do that? Because it was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, early on in, in, the, in the COVID crisis, there was a lot of uh, misunderstandings about what was happening. So everybody catches a break in the first early months between January and March, uh, not knowing what's happening. But we knew fairly quickly that this situation was a problem for a particular set of individuals uh, over a particular age with certain conditions. And so the concept of shutting down the government, shutting down schools, became stupid after a few weeks. And going on or continuing on after that uh, didn't make sense. So what we did, what we were seeing was leadership. We were seeing following. We were we were tracking what other states were doing and doing the similar thing. And when the governor uh, presented this mask mandate through a press release, um, we went into action that same day. We broke a record for getting out an attorney general's opinion. Typically, it takes weeks or months to get an opinion. We put that out the same day mm-hmm. uh, because it was so clear and pointed out that uh, the executive uh, emergency powers did not provide him with the authority to to uh, create legislation or essentially to criminalize uh, conduct. And uh, we put that out right away. That I think the opinion went out around nine or nine thirty that evening. And you're correct. The next day, that was withdrawn from the uh, from the program. So we had a direct impact by standing up and uh, pointing out the constitutional flaws in his argument. And I'm I'm shocked, really. I I can't I can't really name a whole lot of people who were standing up at that time. Uh, in 2020, suggesting that these things are problems. You know, we had fully one-third of Indiana state government on the sidelines during our biggest crisis in our lifetime, and no one was working hard to get the legislature back into play. Now, I'm not saying that the legislature would have had solutions, but they should have been engaged in the process, having debate, uh, public discourse, engaging with the people to understand what the problem was and to try to fix it. No, Nobody wanted that responsibility. They were just as happy to stay on the sideline and not accept responsibility or blame for what happened. And the governor was happy to uh, to continue to be a wartime governor, as these governors across the state were or across the country were doing. They were show, holding press conferences to show how tough and virile they were. And uh, at the same time, the people in our various states were suffering. You uh, spent, obviously, your time in statewide office as a person of the law, right? Like, your job is interpret the law, enforce the law, so you get to weigh in on a lot of the other issues. I'm curious, now that you're out and can speak freely, what do you think about when you look at the Republican Party today, especially in the area of taxes? Like, you look at property taxes, they're totally out of control. Nobody wants to do anything. You look at the gas tax, which they just raised again by $90 million over three years. When did the Republicans become the party of big taxes and big government, and what would you do about it as governor? Well, they're they're no different than the than the Democrats when it comes to spending. 
the problem with taxes is is you got to raise money to to take care of all your pet projects. And so the beginning, the, the the first part of the process is taking a look at what can we do without, what types of things do are we doing that we no longer need to be doing. Uh, the Republican Party is supposed to be about uh, limited government, and yet we have big government, big agencies, uh, big bureaucracy. So one of the things that we have to do is examine what it is that we do, why we do it, and start eliminating things that are unnecessary. I've said this for a number of years. Uh, when legislators uh, come to Indianapolis, the, the way that they are measured is by the legislation that they put out. And so we have countless amounts of legislation that don't work, uh, aren't effective, are not in use, but no one goes back through and cleans those out. So we have this glut of stuff that goes on. It's the same thing with, with the bureaucracy. Uh, let's put this program together. Uh, let's not worry about having a, a definition of whether the program worked. Let's just continue the program on and on and on and add more people and add more expense. And so pretty soon you have to pay for all that, and that's where these taxes come into play. So one of the things that we do is gut this program, uh, cut the the responsibilities, and then we can look very, very seriously at where we can reduce our tax burdens. Curtis Hill, our guest, running for a, a governor now of the state of Indiana. Uh, let's talk real quick about what you got to do to get on the ballot. And, you know, we've talked, Casey, I talk about how just terrible our ballot access laws are if you want to run for governor or U.S. Senate, because they're designed to keep regular people from running, of course, unless you're Todd Young, and then you don't have to get the signatures, and that's that's okay. <laughs> but if you're anybody else, you have to get 500 signatures in each congressional district just to get on the ballot. Can you, from a candidate's perspective, because Casey and I have talked about this from you know an analysis person who's been a part of campaigns perspective, but as the candidate, can you talk about what a hurdle that is and how really unfair and what a burden that is for regular people running for public office? Well, it, it's it's something that we're going to handle. We've got a plan for that, but it is a burden that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, uh, ballot access. That's called being an American. That's called being born and naturalized to be able to vote. Uh, so it's a ridiculous process to, to, to have in place. And it's an example of those in power putting in rules to keep them in power. And uh, we'll comply. We'll do what we need to do to get on the ballot. Uh, we'll win. And then these would be the types of things that we'll look at going forward to say, why are we doing things to limit the access to uh, to uh, elective office to our citizens? Um, it's it's ridiculous. It's silly. Uh, but it's just like the, the the two primary rule. Why would you have a rule that says that you got to you have to be in a vote in two primaries to be in a particular party, if not to try to, to sustain power for yourself. Um, the power belongs to the people, and we need to do everything that we can to make sure that Indiana recognizes that and fights for that. Curtis Hill is joining us, running for governor for the state of Indiana. Now, Curtis, running for a statewide office in Indiana can be an expensive proposition. We've got to cover markets like Fort Wayne and Indianapolis and Evansville and South Bend and Gary. And I'm curious, how are you doing in fundraising at this point? And it is becoming a more crowded field, not only with the four candidates on the Republican side, but you've got the Libertarian and also the Democrats. Why do you feel that you're the best option for the state of Indiana? Well, from a fundraising standpoint, we just got started on Monday. So, mm-hmm. uh, Curtis Hill for uh, CurtisHill.com. There, I'm making my plug out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks should contact our website and uh, look at what we're doing and uh, be interested in donating. From my perspective, uh, this is grassroots. Um, this is not a situation where, in my opinion, Hoosiers are ready for someone to just come in and roll out the checkbook and write their own uh, their their access. And that's kind of the history in the last several years. Uh, big millionaires come in and run for office and push the normal regular folks out of the process. Uh, if that's the system we want, by God. 
rally, go out and vote for the millionaires and wonder why you're on the, sitting on the outside on the curb. Uh, from our perspective, we're working it the old-fashioned way, one vote at a time, one person at a time. Uh, I see this as uh, like David and Goliath. Uh, uh, Goliath, the big giant out there with all the strength, and David uh, had uh, faith in God and five smooth stones. So if we place that stone per- precisely where it goes, uh, we'll, we'll do well. So uh, I think it's a matter of, of engaging uh, the public. Um, uh, we're also, I think we're going to be more interesting. Uh, we're going to have more things to talk about. Um, so I, I, I'm excited about the process. I'm excited about where we're going. And I look forward to standing on a stage with anyone else who plans to run for governor and sharing our issues. I think that we can compare uh, uh, quite nicely uh, with the opposition. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. Our guest this hour, former Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill, now running for governor of the state of Indiana. And we've got a lot more with Curtis when we come back. 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Rob Casey's here, our guest this hour, former attorney general for the state of Indiana, Curtis Hill, now running for governor on the Republican side. All right. So I told Casey this the other day. Uh, I'm not endorsing you yet. Uh, (laughs) However, I am definitely most inclined to vote for the person that I think Holcomb hates the most. (laughs) And I think that's very clearly you. Oh, Um, but you know what you're in for, right? You have seen how Eric Holcomb and Kyle Hupfer and Rod and Todd, the Flanders boys and all these establishment goons treat their enemies are you ready for that to go through that again you just said i've seen it i've lived through it yeah Mm. um i think firsthand i think uh yeah and and i think uh, i look at it this way uh we need to have proven uh leaders who know how to take a battle um uh, if there's one thing that somebody can say about curtis hill is it's it's you know i'm still standing uh, they have thrown the kitchen sink at me uh, on ridiculous issues, and uh, we're still here and we're still swinging. So uh, I know that what I look for in leadership is, is that a person I want to be in that foxhole with? Is that a person who fights? Is that person who is going to turn and run away? I know what I am, and uh, I'm prepared for that. I'm, uh, we're ready to go. We're, we're going to have challenges in Indiana in the next few years that, we're, that, that we need to be really serious about. So I think that's all um, – uh, really necessary fodder. Uh, it's been necessary to have these fights, um, but I don't answer to those folks. I answer to the people in the state of Indiana, and I'm looking forward to get it, uh, getting done on it. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, Kevin, our producer, wrote an article about your announcement the other day, and it was one of the few articles that I could find that did not mention past trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know in the past that you and Mike Braun have not agreed on everything, and are you ready to face these or do you have any comment about what people might be saying about your run for governor well, in regards to history sure well uh, I, as i say I've, I've been a target since the day that i that i well actually since the day i won the election you know i had uh, one more votes than anyone in the state's history and that intimidated folks that threatened people and so from that point forward i was a target um i stood up to the status quo um so there's folks who don't want they don't want to play ball with me um but i have to tell you 
Um, we've gone through uh, seven uh, investigations and or lawsuits that have been dismissed. I mean, this thing is over. Mm-hmm. And uh, people can throw this up and, and, and toss that. If that's all they got, then good luck with that because the people are ready to move forward. Um, it's it's ridiculous to, to, to continue that down that path. I'm moving forward. And so if somebody wants to throw sl- throw mud, sling hash, whatever it is, uh, that's fine. Let's see if they can catch me. Yeah, don't you look at it like, I mean, Casey, I've talked a lot about this, the Jim Lucas thing where the guy did it. He pled guilty to driving under the influence. He pleads guilty to fleeing the scene. Now it comes that he has THC in the system. And it's all quiet on the Western front. Mm-hmm. Like the guy was pled guilty. He said, I did it. It was, right. you know, it's a conviction. And yet, when you, when there was a mere allegation against you, Holcomb and his goon buddies practically tore hamstrings sprinting to a podium <laughs> to condemn you and say, oh, you must resign. You must this. You must that. Well, here's a guy who actually did it. You have been, you know, whether it was criminally, ethically, in court, as you mentioned, everything thrown out against you, no charges ever filed, no ethics violations. And you know Holcomb's ethics czar was looking for all sorts of ethics violations. And yet, not a word about guys like Jim Lucas, but yet you, oh, he's he's got to go. It was a political hit job. It's because I was a popular conservative that uh, uh, embarrassed them, that uh, would take them on on particular issues. I took them on a needle exchange uh, right off mm-hmm. the bat uh, and basically exposing the truth that uh, that. You give a you give an addict uh, thirty clean needles. Um, they're they're going to use one needle over and over and over again to sell the other twenty nine for drugs. I mean, we were telling the truth about things and covering uh, uncovering some of the uh, uh, the cover ups that they had in terms of what they what they were telling the people that they were trying to accomplish. So uh, you want to get me out of the way. Uh, that was a concerted effort to get me out of the way for twenty twenty uh, to reduce me, um, and it didn't work. Uh, so we're still here. We're still swinging. We've got great support all over the state, and I'll tell you. As I've traveled over in the last uh, two and a half, three years since I've left office, I can't tell you the numbers of times that people would walk up to me and talk about the raw deal that uh, was handed my way. Um, now, I'm not running to fix any raw deals. I'm running because I'm a public servant, because there's a job that needs to be done. And uh, my family and I have prayed over it and believe that I'm the person to, that can step forward and uh, be a leader in Indiana. Uh, but we're not going to run from or shrink back from any attacks. Uh, we know they're coming. Uh, so bring them on. I'm ready to move on from this topic. We've got Curtis Hill with us, who's running for governor, and more of an issue-based question for you. We've mentioned drugs, THC. Um, you mentioned the needle exchange. I'm curious in the past that you have uh, stood against the legalization of marijuana in the state of Indiana, although we see all of our surrounding states gaining tax money from the sale of that. Where are you today on that topic? Uh, I haven't changed much on that. I know I know when people start talking about gaining tax revenue, here's the thing. If marijuana is legalized uh, to possess, uh, that means that no matter how you got it, you can you can legally possess it. So what we've seen in all these other states is that the underground the underground market for marijuana has grown dramatically. Um, so that's a concern for me. Uh, it's not the uh, it's not the revenue builder that that one would think. I'm also still concerned about the uh, the influence of marijuana on younger br- minds. That's very well documented. Um, uh, but I would say this, that uh, uh, I don't have any concern if 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 the uh, marijuana goes through a medically or clinical trial pro- process, um, 
uh, notwithstanding some of the mistrust I have for the FDA, um, but through, <laughs> a, through a clinical trial process uh, to determine the, a, a, an appropriate medical usage, uh, I can see uh, a, a medical marijuana being in the future. Uh, what I disagree with is general assemblies just declaring something a medicine and uh, and legalizing it from that standpoint. I think it needs to be structured in that process. So um, I'm uh, I'm very very strident. Uh, on drug use, um, but I also would say this: that the, there's a misnomer that suggests that that uh, we want to lock all the marijuana users up. That's never been the case, and it's been a big myth that uh, that marijuana users are being targeted for long-term incarceration. Um, uh, so we certainly recognize that drug use is a uh, is a, uh, a health issue in many respects. But uh, one of the biggest problems that we face right now with the uh, the porous borders is the fentanyl and other uh, substances, including marijuana, that are coming across the border, making life more difficult for Americans. So we have to have firm drug policies in place uh, to keep our folks healthy. Hey, before I let you go, let's talk about education for a second. And I, I know you've weighed in big time on the, the culture issues. The public education system in the state is totally out of control. It's well documented what they're doing, how they're doing it, how they're manipulating little kids. I mean, the the video that came out of these administrators all across the state admitting what they're doing, admitting they're hiding it to parents. And yet, on one hand, the Republicans say, oh, well, we've got to throw more money at the voucher system. We've got to give more school choice. And then on the other... They throw more money than ever before at public education. Will you be the governor that's going to put his foot down and stand up to these angry red-shirted teachers and say, I am fixing public education in the state of Indiana? Well, yes. The the, the money that goes into education, uh, we all get these flyers from the General Assembly that says, we increased education by 5%. But what do you do with the money? More administrators, more more bullying programs. I mean, uh, we do. School vouchers is not the only answer because not every child or or household has a choice. That's the reality. So we're going to have to fix the public school system. And what we need to focus on is teaching children uh, how to think, not what to think. Uh, we can we can rant and rave about critical race theory, but we cannot uh, avoid talking about race and teaching uh, race from a historical perspective. We just need to get away from the oppressiveness and the victimhood that goes along with CRT. Uh, CRT has been around for decades, um, and so we can't make the illusion of thinking just because somebody calls it CRT or doesn't call it CRT that that type of, of stuff isn't being infiltrated into our classrooms. It is. Uh, so we need to make sure that we pull the plug on that. Um, we need to focus our, our, our investment in children on a high advanced curriculum. Uh, one of the programs that I'd like to see is first graders taking a foreign language program uh, and then having a second program, a second foreign language program by the fourth grade. Now, that's an ambition to try to create a world economy child to increase their brain power. So, we need to focus on what we're teaching children. Uh, we can't just abandon the public schools. We need to fix the public schools. Uh, we need to go in and, and direct. I, I hate to say it, but we have to make sure that we're directing the educational curriculum because it's not being done properly right now. We have to teach civics. Uh, we have to show children what it means to be an American, how the process works so they get engaged in the process. Uh, that's fundamental. So there's, the education process in Indiana has got to be corrected, has got to be changed. We've got to throw out what's not working. We have F-rated schools. We've got to prepare for a future uh, where our children can be the, the ones that we turn the future over to. Curtis Hill running for governor of the state of Indiana. 
Hannah. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about your campaign? CurtisHill.com. Real easy. CurtisHill.com. Uh, come check us out. Uh, we, we have information on there right now that's uh, very issues-oriented, and we'll be adding to that on a regular basis. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do is be full of content to let people know what we're, what we're all about. And uh, contact us. We'd love to come to your part of the state and uh, uh, chat about what we're doing. And you got some event with Beckwith tonight, right? Is that is that right? You guys are going? Uh, yes, we'll be at uh, we'll be at uh, Life, be Church. Life Church. Yeah, Life Church. Fishers, right? Yeah, we're doing a tour right now. We uh, we started up north. We're swinging down. We're going to be in uh, Noblesville this after uh, this evening. We're going to be in uh, Lafayette. Uh, this morning, and then we're going to come back to Life Church this evening. Then we're heading down to Evansville, uh, and then we're swinging over to the uh, to the east part of the state, working our way back up. And so, it's like we'll being have... the freaking Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. man. Do you ever forget where you're at? Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> hello, I'm, I'm like, hello, I'm like, Kendallville. I'm like the new Mick Jagger. Well, no, we got in this race to work, so we're working it. We we got in on Monday, so uh, this is this is what life's going to be like for us because we're going to demonstrate that how hard we work on the campaign is exactly how hard we work in the state house. And you feel you're ready to go. You've got the energy to see this through all the way until the primary. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can do 40 push-ups right now. <laughs> Curtis Hill, thank you, my friend. All right, so there you go, Casey. That was mm-hmm. Curtis Hill, the former attorney general, now running for governor of the state of Indiana. And see what he did there, Casey? Yeah. He came in. Yeah. He answered the questions. Yeah. We asked him some tough questions. Mm-hmm. We threw some softballs up there for him, too. Sure. He walked away in one piece. He's, all, he's it really, okay. It really wasn't that hard. And yet all these tough guy politicians who want to badmouth us on the internet or they'll go on other radio shows and badmouth us, never have the cojones to come, hair on their peaches to sit down and do these interviews with us. Curtis Hill did not call you a jilted lover. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh Hammer's going to join us next, mm-hmm. and we have to get into something very important. Hammer and I had a very lengthy back sure. and forth last night. Yeah, sure, there's the consideration of all the people that are running for governor yeah. in the state. Sure, we can talk about property taxes, but this, yeah. this is going to solve all of the problems. Is Scooby-Doo a superhero? Yeah, it's coming up with Hammer on 93 WIBC. Casey. Yeah. Question. What? Think long and hard before you answer. Okay. Did you know 96% of Americans, 96% forfeit $111,000 in Social Security income? Wow. Well, I know now. Yeah, it's true. And you can learn how you could avoid this with a free Social Security analysis from Bill Demery, your retirement guy right here in Indy. It's Kendall and Casey, and we trust Bill. We're clients of his, and he knows Social Security like the back of his hand. This free analysis pinpoints exactly when you should file for Social Security while considering your taxes, spousal benefits, and Medicare premiums. And if you've saved at least $200,000 for retirement and have not filed for Social Security, schedule your free analysis right now. Call 317-932-9912. Save yourself a ton of time and don't lose a single dime in Social Security income. It doesn't just rhyme, it's a possibility. Schedule your free analysis (laughs) by calling 317-932-9912. That's 317-932-9912. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The faster we're falling, we're stopping. Good morning, 1048. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's number one in your heart and on your radio. Hammer joins us in the studio from the number one rated Hammer and Nigel program. Hello. 
Great conversation you guys had with Curtis Hill. I thought that was really good. Thank you. And what I like about Curtis Hill is that it's a story of, I'm not going anywhere. I'm punching back. Now, let's be honest. He put himself in a bad situation. That's why all those allegations of grab ass and whatnot happened in the first place. (laughs) You can't put yourself in those situations. Mm -hmm. But do we think he's the boogeyman? Absolutely not. Is he the worst person alive? Did Holcomb and Rod and Todd and all the good time party boys fear him because, oh my goodness, here's a conservative black guy from Indiana. He's got more votes than anybody. Yes, absolutely. And to his credit, he punches back. And honestly, I think that's kind of what we do here at WIBC. And I think that's why we resonate with so many people. So Rob, let's go back to COVID. You were the first person that stood out there, took all the bullets and said, you know what? These lockdowns are a bad idea. If you give the government any sort of freedom, they're going to run wild with it. These mandatory vaccines, Everybody gave you crap, you stood tall, and you ultimately ended up being right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just hire you to walk around me throughout the day and say that. <laughs> Camp, you were right. Camp Atterbury story with right. me. Yeah. You know, I said, hey, there's some shenanigans going on down here with these Afghan refugees in Camp Atterbury. Yep. And that wiener over at Channel 13. And <laughs> all, all two L's. <laughs> and all of his butt-sniffing media pals, Hammer and Nigel, they have an anonymous source. That's Bush Lake. Yeah, guess what? Turned out we were 100% said right and i stood out there and i took every bullet every shot and i punched back and people like that type of leadership mm-hmm. yeah so it'll be interesting uh he's got a long way to go but i think he will make this interesting and uh, abdul and i were talking about this you know during the break that uh the the, the other three are boring mm-hmm. braun is boring suzanne is boring doden's boring is that a bad thing though like do you want to have a cartoon character again as the governor do you want somebody like Trump, you know, maybe not necessarily Trump because some people liked his policies, but somebody that's that much of a loose cannon and wacky to be the governor? For our business, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Now, here's the thing I would say is I, I have no idea where anyone stands on anything, and those three of them have been running for a year. That's pathetic. Mm-hmm. The three people have been running for governor for a year, and other than Eric Doden wanting to give teachers everything for free, and he wants to take over downtown Indianapolis, I have no idea. What is Suzanne or Braun or Doden or any of them going to do about property taxes? The answer right now is nothing. So maybe Curtis will at least get them talking. And one of the things we're going to talk about this afternoon when we have Tony Kennett join us is... I thought there'd be a little bit more momentum for McCormick and the Democrats. She kind of had the Ron DeSantis rollout, right? Where, all right, I'm announcing, here we go. And everything was flat. There was no spike. There really hasn't been a valley, but there's absolutely no momentum for somebody they thought was going to rally up all the women and rally up all the teachers and do all this fundraising. It's been crickets. Uh, Let's get to something important, and that is the conversation (laughs) you and I had last night. So the question that was brought to us on yesterday's program was, is Scooby-Doo a superhero? (laughs) Do you count Scooby-Doo as a superhero? So important. And the reason why this came to uh, our attention was during one of the media days at the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, Nick Castellanos of the Phillies, former Cub, former Red, he was speaking with a reporter, and they're asking all the stupid media day questions. What's your favorite superhero? Nick says Scooby-Doo. Now, we're going to play you the audio of this. Three days ago, I would have said, you're crazy. Yeah. He wins me over with his argument. 
Everyone was asked their favorite superheroes. Yeah. You said Scooby-Doo. Sure. I, I didn't realize Scooby-Doo was a superhero. Can you kind of explain his superhero lore? I mean, well, first off, he's a dog, right? And he can talk. Mm-hmm. And, and he saves, he's, he's, he solves mysteries. Mm-hmm. So I think that a dog that can talk and helps people by saving, by solving mysteries, I think is a superhero. Checks off all the superhero boxes, has special skills, and he helps people. Correct. And he's stone-faced, he's mm-hmm. dead serious, mm-hmm. and he wins me over. Yeah. Because I started doing the compare and contrast of other superheroes, right? If you're going to tell me Batman is a superhero, yeah. what superpower does Batman have? He's a rich guy with cool stuff to play with. He's got toys. Right. Yeah. Iron Man's kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Rich dude, cool stuff to play with. Yeah. Scooby-Doo talks. Yeah. Now, he might not talk well, but he talks. <laughs> raw, raw, I don't know. <laughs> and you pointed out very astutely, look at the losers he works with, too. Right. He goes into dangerous situations mm-hmm. to solve mysteries, to ultimately help people. And his support staff is a stoner, a fat chick, a guy wearing an ascot, and a skank. How on blue hell can you not say Scooby-Doo is not a superhero when you consider the staff he works with? This is kind of like when Giannis of the Bucks led them to an NBA championship. It's Giannis and four zeros, yeah. right? But somehow, some way, they brought home a title. You're That's win- what Scooby-Doo does. You're winning me over, and I think it comes down to if you indeed declare Batman and Iron Man are superheroes, then you have to say Scooby-Doo is. Now, it is is it relegated to people like Superman who can shoot lasers or fly. Uh, you know uh, fly or mm-hmm. the Spider Man who can shoot webs out of it? You know, is the, when I think of a superhero, that's what I think of. But if we're going to say Batman and Iron Man are in, then Scooby Doo has to be in, right? Because. I think to be a superhero, you should have a superpower. And he does, because he talks. Right. And he solves mysteries. Right. And not only can he talk, he responds, and he can do the critical Mm -hmm. thinking Mm -hmm. that requires Mm -hmm. you know, him to be able to solve a mystery that law enforcement can't even crack. Now, I've got two more points that I can add. Not only can he talk and he can solve mysteries, but he's got Scooby Snacks named after him. Right. And according to the Urban Dictionary, a sexual act is named after him as well now well all right do the well Scooby-Doo. this conversation just took a bizarre you do turn the Sco- well, i've never heard the anybody children out there listening well i've never heard anybody say let's do batman style or iron man i mean there's so this is just, why are you the way you are it's just an added What's benefit wrong with you? but i'm going to tell you something hammer the interesting thing about this is when hannah barbera invented scooby-doo it was because they were trying to counter all of the action heroes that were currently on tv and they said well let's come up with this dog So it was because they were trying to fight off the action heroes on TV that they created the dog and his group of friends. You lost me with the sex stuff. You can keep on talking all you want. (laughs) Okay, But you totally lost me when you started talking dirty. Uh, Do you know what his real name is? Scooby-Doo? No. Scoobert. Scoobert. Scoobert is his full name. That's fine. Remember when the Globetrotters helped him solve a mystery that one time? Oh, yeah. They ran through all types of different people. Phyllis Diller used to jump in and solve (laughs) mysteries with Scooby-Doo. And who could forget the great moment when, on Celebrity Jeopardy, Turd Ferguson rang in (laughs) and said, "Uh, who is Uh Scooby-Doo? Do you have more Eagles tickets to give away today? We do. We have Eagles tickets to give away. 
giveaway. We're going to mix up the game today. Oh, good. I think we're going to play Hotel California or Motel 6. <laughs> we're going to give you a fact about somebody that's either been a member of the Eagles <laughs> or been arrested at a Motel 6. Fantastic. That's got to be a good list. Hotel California or Motel 6 for Eagles tickets uh, this afternoon. Yeah, because, you know, and you would look, it's hard to make that game hard. I know part of it is you want to give the tickets away, but let's face it. The Eagles or the Eagles. The Eagles! <laughs> pretty hard to screw that one up. Uh, what's coming up? What else coming up this afternoon? Well, Casey's going to bring her frustration to the program. You know everybody is getting on Urban Dictionary right now looking it up. It'll be a therapy session with uh, Casey here, Tony Kennett, and more. Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.